Chapter Nineteen of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter Nineteen. My heart, it was a cup of gold that at his lip did long to lie, but he hath drunk the red wine down and tossed the goblet by. My heart, it was a white white rose that bloomed upon a broken bough. He did but wear it for an hour and it is withered now josephine dodge dascom but my dear tony you cannot stop her i only said quietly she was sitting on the edge of his sofa upon which he was lying recovering from an attack of illness his head was still obliged to be kept low and now he twisted about seeking to get comfortable making himself appear an unwieldy mound of heaps and bumps covered by a singularly brilliant chinese dressing-gown my dear don't take it so hard tony answered nothing after one violent speech of denunciation and reprisal he had scarcely spoken doro still visited him and he still ignored her his attitude i'll bring her round was the last by which to influence her at this time both were supremely unhappy both quite intent on having their own way Ione, irritated to the verge of a breakdown, was the buffer between them. Already Doro's plans had been arranged. She was to leave for Paris during the week. Of this, Tony knew nothing. He still clung obstinately to the idea that Doro could do little because he could render her penniless. He kept this fact to himself, proposing to reveal it only as a last weapon. Doro went into Tony's room this evening whilst Ione was there she was in a linen walking-dress ione was wrapped in a pale lemon-coloured lace tea-gown both looked listless tony humped himself up and glared at them if either had felt the possibility of amusement this i must have my own way small boy attitude would have been amusing but doro aware she must tell him of her departure ione tired out by the exercise of a patience which was unnatural to her merely felt the strain of everything its weariness and futility ione lit a cigarette and handed her case to doro through the open windows the soft roar of piccadilly sounded the trees in the square had a heavy covering of grey dust the air seemed exhausted by the fierce summer heat ione's dark eyes questioned doro not unsympathetically personally she considered doro was doing if not a wise thing a thing which held less unwisdom than any other course it was manifestly impossible for her to take up life at her point under the existing circumstances it was equally impossible to propose marriage for her for the same reason somehow doro must obtain means to help her forget live down ione knew life does not run to schedule as tony appeared to think it did and that youth because it was youth is not malleable and is indeed when love has touched it the least malleable of all things his other outlook that all youth needed to heal its wounds was substitution was equally fallacious in doro's case and he was equally pig-headed on this point he would when he chose to forgive doro get her anything she wanted he was about to put this fact into words when doro's voice low and not quite steady said darling i am leaving with cavini for paris to-morrow tony stared at her then he said hoarsely indeed 
yes and and tony darling won't you won't you try to understand and let me go feeling feeling she faltered and stopped tony said with sledgehammer clearness if you go don't come back you understand that if you become a singer you cease to be my adopted daughter that's all i have to say unconsciously ione had placed herself beside him to doro they seemed two foes in that moment tony she said in a whisper he believed her to be weakening he did not know that there are tears born of highest courage as well as those of weakness he determined to push home his advantage if you go you go penniless he said and you and i are through it is finished doro turned blindly and sought the door she got out of the room somehow and reached her own tony said sharply to ione she'll come around end of chapter nineteen recording by marisol quee